Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Animism Listening to the Land podcast. And this is Phil, and with me, as always, is... Nathan. So this time, I get to ask the questions and turn the mic around on Nathan so that all of you listeners get to know him a little bit better. And I'm actually really excited to, to be here and to be doing this process and getting to know you better as well, as always, um, deepening our friendship. So one question that's coming to mind right now is just how does animism bring you alive? Mm. What, what does it stir in you that feels really alive? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. And in a way that actually wraps me around to my first ever memory oh. of just being human. And my first memory, I deeply recall like looking at my hands and wiggling my fingers and realizing that this is me, that mm. I am me. And then tapping and taking that a step further and like feeling my emotions. And then even the fact that I was thinking about being me, mm. like all of that, all of this is me. Mm-hmm. And then I remember looking at my brother and being like, and that's you. Mm. Like all of this complexity that is me is also in you. Mm. And then turning and being like, let's say in the forest with the tree and recognizing like there's all of this complexity that is me and there's all of this complexity that's you in this tree that's totally different. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not human, you're a tree. But that same web of complexity also lives in you. Mm-hmm. And I turn and like look around me right now and like look at you, Phil, and all, there's all this complexity in you. And then this lamp, all of the stories of being turned on and turned off, all of the books that have been read underneath this lamp, mm-hmm. all of the conversations that have been had with the light of this lamp and... I mean, I could go on about every being within this room and Mm -hmm. all of the complexity and stories that live in them. And through animism, I can recognize this. And then I can in turn recognize the complexity of all of these beings. And then we're all in relationship together, always. And that brings in this like sense of aliveness and like fullness and wonder about what can all these different beings like what do they have to teach me what do they have to gift me what do i have to gift them how can i be in reciprocal relations with them so it's all this complex web of the ecology of just life and i'm a part of it and i get to step into it and recognize and acknowledge that i'm a part of this great whole and to me that's what really brings animism into it it makes me alive and brings me this sense of aliveness that mm. I'm a part of this all. I'm a part of this allness. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings me to a question of what's one way that you feel you practice reciprocity with the other beings? Mm. Yeah. Um, this actually, um, I'm going to speak to like a non-carbon based being. Okay. And that being, uh, my dishes. Hmm. My dishes offer me gifts by uh, holding space for me to cook my food, for me to eat from, and to sustain my own body. And in turn, for me, when 
I wash my dishes, that is me returning that gift. Just as like I want to be fed, they want to be clean. And so by cleaning them, this is my way of, because I speak gratitude to my dishes and to my food when I sit down to eat. But then by washing them and taking care of them, this is me showing them and actively engaging in gratitude and reciprocity with my dishes. I love it. That's such a great response. And actually reminds me of a person in popular culture currently on Netflix, Maria Kondo, who does the show Tidying Up. She's a little Japanese woman who um, comes into mostly American homes and teaches people about how to tidy up. But really her practice is about reciprocity with what we consider stuff, what we consider our things. And so some of the things she does are, are very animistic. Like for instance, she'll find the center of the house and she'll have the family stop what they're doing, stop arguing, stop thinking about where to put things and just take a moment to thank the house for being supporting their life, for giving them a safe, warm space to be, a dry space to be, a safe space for their entire family and a place to come together. And then when they're going through their stuff, their t-shirts, their dishes, she asks them to thank each item, Mm. thank each t-shirt, say thank you. And even if they're getting rid of that t-shirt, say thank you. And yeah, so I love that you chose something other than the sort of stereotypical animal or a plant that Mm. we tend to talk about, right? It's good Mm. to acknowledge the things we tend to identify as stuff is also a form of being that we have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I love that. I love that you took that that tact and went in a little different mm-hmm. direction. And I'm curious to hear a story about um, your sense of belonging and if there's any land or specific lands that you feel you belong to in a deeper way, in a deeper relationship. Yeah. There's a, a place um, in California, Northern California, in El Dorado County called Rasmussen Park. And it's interesting because it's not that idyllic wilderness. It's surrounded by an urban neighborhood mm-hmm. on all sides. And on one section, there's a like, classic park with your swings and play structures and baseball fields and whatnot but then on this back half on the opposite side of the creek there's a very small land of wilderness Mm -hmm. and it was in that land that when I was a teenager uh, I think I was 15 at the time um, I was walking that land at night underneath a full moon and that night I was definitely claimed by that land wow and I remember it was in winter time. It was in December, and the I got to watch the land freeze, and all the dew and all the water in the land freeze. Wow! And then with the full moon shining down, it was just this land of stars, hmm. both on the ground and up in the trees, and just all around me. I was surrounded by the stars, and that was also the first time I ever saw 
the Big Dipper. Mm. Well, not the first time I saw them, the first time I realized mm-hmm. that I was looking at them. And then in turn, discovered where the North Star was. And it was from that night forward, I've always been able to find the North Star. Always. And so in that land, being claimed in like this wonder and magic of this place, I also found my sense of direction. Oh, which wow. then in turn led into like a sense of purpose, mm-hmm. which is a, another story. Yes. And, but every time I go to California, that's the, that's the only place that I go to every time. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of places that I try to visit and lands that are really special to me. Um, but that's the only one that I actually make it to every single time I go to California and I'm greeted by the lands and, wondrous ways I saw first time I ever saw Bobcat was in that land wow um, I was <laughs> ooh actually here's a, here's a short story about yeah, that land please tell us the story it's ways in which it it claims me and speaks to me in just beautiful ways um this past summer I was going to work summer camps for a wilderness school and I was debating on not going because just things in my personal life and ties for me down in California where I felt they needed my help and needed my, my tending. And, but I was torn cause I already made this commitment. I was planning on leaving in a few days to go up to this wilderness school to teach. And so I went to Rasmussen and I walked in that land with my, with my sacred question. Do I stay here in California and tend to these ties or do I go to Washington to teach and work with the youth and connecting them back to nature so I held this question I stepped into the land and I paused and and I I vocalized this question to the land and before doing so I asked all the beings all beings here um, I'm asking you to be present if you so wish and if you wish to not listen you don't have to like the choice is yours and so then I posed my question to the land and then I began walking and about 10 steps like on this trail suddenly I hear a red tail to mm. my right and I turn and this red tail is flying out of the tree line and as they're flying suddenly two juveniles come flying behind them and I immediately just know that this is a mother teaching her young how to be red tails. Wow. And I just knew right in that moment, Rasmussen's telling me that I need to go work with younger humans and help teach them how to be human in the same way this red tail was teaching them how to be red tails. And I was just this, this land has always greeted me in such a way where they directly communicate to me no beating around the bush only 10 steps after my question they provide me with an answer wow and there's just this sense that i under the belonging to that land almost comes in i understand the language of that place Mm -hmm. that language is my language and we just there's this flow of communication between us and it's hard to explain because you know i have deep connections with the red tails here in washington um Yet, we're not fluent with each other mm. in the same way as I am with the red tails of that park mm-hmm. and the oak trees of that park. Mm-hmm. There's 
a sense of kinship that I'm a part of the ecology of that place and in that space. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I, the question I was thinking about asking you after this one was, how do you know you've been claimed or how do you know you belong? But you already answered that and you answered it in a beautiful way. I, when you had asked me a similar question in the previous episode, I, I wish I had had the words you just used of, mm-hmm. um, being fluent with, right? Mm-hmm. Like the ability to hear each other. So that land and the beings on that land and you and the way you communicated because yeah, I think that's a good distinction to make between lands that have claimed us where we really belong and then lands that maybe we love or we have a relationship with, but it's not the same. It's maybe it's a little bit like the difference of traveling to a foreign country and not really knowing the language and maybe falling in love with that place, but not necessarily being claimed and belonging there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a gr- beautiful distinction. I really, mm-hmm. really appreciate how you how you phrase that mm, thank you yeah and I'm curious about um, where do you feel where do you feel that um, animism might take you in the future like do you have any sense of that mm. this is and this is a very open ended question of course but totally that's a great question I love that um, I feel in that same sense of there's this recognition that the land has whenever I have questions like that question of whether to return to Washington or to stay in California um, questions that are bigger than me and just my direct relationships but fall within like this web of a greater community that it's to the land and with animism and listening to the land that I can pose these questions and through animism and understanding that oh there's so many different forms of language mm-hmm. that this can be communicated to me through um, it's been one of the greatest gifts that this life has offered me and that my connection to nature has offered me and something I've been stepping into as of recent is like this has brought me so much fulfillment and helping me to recognize my life's purpose, helping me to recognize uh, what's my work with mm-hmm. a capital W mm-hmm. and things of, things of that like. And I believe um, there's a, a, a Lummi elder named Vi Gilbert who speaks to like all of us, all of us humans have a superpower, we have a gift that we're born with in this world Mm -hmm. and that we must return to the earth and the earth herself will reveal to us those gifts, what our gifts are. Mm -hmm. And I feel that like I learned of this wisdom, this indigenous wisdom um, years after I had that direct experience. And I feel that with animism and where animism is leading me is to guide others into coming into reciprocal conversations and participatory conversations with the land and helping guide those experiences for them so that the earth herself can reveal to them what their gifts are. 
mm-hmm. what their superpower is that they bring into the world, what their medicine is that they have to offer and to, to bring. And I believe that animism is guiding me into a path to help connect others with the earth, with these animate beings, so that they can find those superpowers and then empowering them to bring those gifts and superpowers to their greater communities. Mm, that's a good answer. Yeah. And you've mentioned red tails and you've told us in a previous episode the story of grandmother ponderosa are there any beings that really stand out to you as um, relations that are very present in your life right now or that really speak to you in a way that feels really alive yeah there's a actually touched on this in the first question um or maybe it was the second (laughs) But there's a, a very specific individual red fox that I've come into deep rapport with in this last year. Um, this past uh, September, I moved to, well, 15 miles outside of Olympia, Washington. And um, there was one evening where I was leaving Olympia. And I was walking to my car. And my car was parked on this near this trailhead that went down to the Sailor Sea or the Puget Sound and when I was walking up to the car I was actually talking to you on the phone that's right I remember that we were um, conversating about a class that we were going to be teaching together and I walked and so I walked uh, up to the car and I was talking to you on the phone when suddenly when I got to the back end of my car I stopped because then I noticed in my peripheral vision there was a silhouette walking up from the left. They were walking up, I was looking down, and it's like, who are you? And then I saw like the full extent of their silhouette and I immediately was like, that's a red fox. And I immediately like zoned out of our conversation. You were actually like continuing to talk at this point. I kind of like pulled the phone away and you were just talking, but I couldn't, I didn't want to tell you what was happening because I didn't want to disturb this red fox. And so I was just like, let the phone kind of go. And then I slowly squatted down the ground. This red fox paused a little off to my left, maybe about 10 or so feet away. And they just stared at me. And then they walked in this arc to the right side of me, to where they came in to maybe like five or six feet away from me. Wow. And they waited there for a moment, still staring at me. And then to my complete and utter surprise, they laid down. Hmm. And so then I in turn laid down and we were both just laying down upon the earth together, just staring at each other. And then to the point where they eventually just even laid their head down wow. and they were just completely and totally comfortable. And I was just like still holding the phone and you're still talking. And I'm just <laughs> like, like in this, like totally yeah. in this. And then suddenly the red Fox like stands up and then comes back in that same arc back over to my left and then continues down the street. Wow. And I just like, wait a minute before I like return to the phone. And this is actually, this is, not been my only experience with this particular red fox. Um, on my birthday this year, on December 4th of this past December, I was standing in a meadow not too far away from that spot. And 
I was staring up at the stars and the constellations and just kind of reflecting on my life and my journey and where I am. And suddenly I felt called to play my flute, uh, to play a flute both for my, in celebration of myself, but also in celebration of this beautiful land. And on, mm -hmm. you know, my birthday in winter, it was blessed with a clear starry sky and all these constellations just vibrantly alive. And so I started to play my flute and in these moments when I play, I don't tend to think or even feel what I'm doing when I play. I just kind of allow my fingers to dance however they wish. And so as I was playing this song, as it, the song came from the flute, it started all of a sudden there's this feeling in me, it's like, oh, this is sacred. And so I paused for a moment to take off my hat mm -hmm. and set my hat down. And then I continued playing. And then when I finished playing that song, I was looking up at the stars and just kind of started to tell the stars the story of me mm -hmm. and the story of my journey. And then all of a sudden I felt this deep draw and pull to go um, onto the other side of my car. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even acknowledge the feeling. The moment it was there, I just went, there was no thinking, there was no feeling with it, it was just whew, moving. And so then when I moved to the other side of my car, I just waited there for a moment. Then suddenly I saw the silhouette coming up from the forest. Mm -hmm. I walked up till they came about 10 feet in front of me and they just sat down and it was that red fox. Wow. And they just stared at me and I squatted and stared at them and we held this stare for several minutes and then they turned around and went directly back the same way they came mm -hmm. as if their only purpose and reason of coming into the meadow was just to wish me happy birthday mm -hmm. and then to go back and off their way. And I've seen that Fox, um, several more times since that point. And I've come to know that it's this very particular red Fox. And I even know like where their home range is and I'm starting to get a sense of where their burrow might be, which is exciting. Yeah. And, but me and this red fox, we just, there's this understanding and there's this draw to each other. Even from that first encounter, it was just immediate comfortability, mm -hmm. immediate kinship yeah. that was felt between us. And that fox makes me very alive. And like every day when I go to that area, that forest park, it's like, oh, I wonder if you're going to reveal yourself to me today. You know, I don't have any expectations for you too, but I definitely have hope that you will. Yeah. And so every time they do, it's like a little jolt of electricity that comes coursing through me. Wow. That's wonderful. That would be a very happy birthday gift. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, I, I would like to ask you this question maybe as a closing question, um, unless more questions pop out <laughs> as we're, as we're sharing, uh, where do you suggest someone start in getting acquainted with animism? Like, uh, what what would you suggest would be a good starting place for this journey for someone who's maybe very new to this to these ideas or this way of being? Mm, mm. Uh, for me, I I have this uh, this practice that I call the the spiral of gratitude. And so when I wake up in the morning, it's this, this spiral, which was actually sparked and influenced by a gray fox story that 
I'm sure will come in the future. Um, and where I just speak gratitude to my immediate beings that I'm touching mm -hmm. from my clothes to the sheet on my bed to my blanket and my pillow. And then I just spiral out mm -hmm. to all the next, like the next layer and then the next layer until I get to the point where sometimes, you know, I don't like to go on those long winds. Mm -hmm. So I always like kind of close it by saying like, thank you to all my relations. And that's how I close that spiral of gratitude when I wake up. Mm -hmm. But speaking to this because whether it's your pillow that you sleep on or if it's a jacket that you roll up wherever it is that you lay your head on whether you're at home or out in the wilderness or wherever you are like that being like holds you and gives you a sense of safety while you sleep and a sense of comfort mm -hmm. and so my pillow my pillow holds my dreams mm. and holds me while I sleep and so I feel like those beings where when you come into wherever it is that you sleep and those beings that you sleep with they to me the fact that you can fall asleep with those beings speaks to being the extent of how comfortable you are with them and how safe you feel with them right so coming into like an animistic relations with the beings in your in your life world those beings that you sleep with are a great place to start mm, I like that yeah, that's that's good that's that's out of the box I think I would. yeah all right so I feel really inspired right now to actually hear more about your relationship and your your experience of practicing gratitude and I would love to hear whatever feels alive around that for you right now mm. well having a just spoken to the to the spiral of gratitude practice that I carry in my waking up. Um, I actually feel called to share that Gray Fox story that inspired that practice. Excellent. I love that story. Yeah. So I was, this is back in the summer of 2016, and I was working for an organization connecting kids back to nature in the Bay Area of California. In this particular summer, I was living in my hammock on Mount Tam, um, and the north end of the bay. And there was one evening after returning from camp that honestly I felt disconnected. Hmm. It was August 2nd. I, yeah, I was feeling disconnected from my relations. So I like was sitting in my hammock and I was thinking to myself, what is a way that I can connect myself? What's the th it's something I can do right now to bring me back into a space of connection. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to make a fire. I'm going to build a fire. And so I went into this little barbecue pit that all the sites have. And it was just high enough off the ground to where when I sat down, my forehead was at level with the pit. Mm -hmm. And so I did what, something I worked with the kids actually earlier in that week um, with what's called fairy fires. Mm -hmm. Make a fire just that can fit inside the palm of your hand. And the challenge there is like actually making that fire sustainable yeah. for a period of time and making it last because it's much harder to keep a fire that's as small as the palm of your hand alive than it is to keep like a bonfire alive. Right. And so what I did is I just reached my arms out in a circle around me and I just gathered all the sticks and twigs within this circumference. Mm -hmm. So like these are these are all my materials and I'm gonna see how long I can make a fire last these materials 
So I got out my bow drill kit, did my friction fire, blew it in a flame, put it in my little teepee, and then rooted myself there and just sat with this fire and tending this little fairy fire. And I ended up tending them for, keeping them alive for about two hours, mm -hmm. which I was really like stoked wow. about with having such a few amount of materials. And I remember sitting there with my final twig mm -hmm. and looking at the fire and then just feeling like through my, not just within my heart and my mind, but within my whole sensing body, within even my toes and my fingers, feeling gratitude. And so then I just started to speak gratitude. I said, thank you to this fire for giving me light in this night. Thank you to all of these twigs for giving yourselves and your beings to create and sustain this fire. Thank you to this campground, to these trees for holding my hammock and making me feel at home mm -hmm. all of these months. And thank you to this mountain for inviting me here. And thank you to the ravens who come and greet me in the morning and thank you to the stellar days. And I just went into that, to my first ever spiral of gratitude, mm -hmm. speaking gratitude just to all of the beings that I could mention and were popping into my mind that were like I was in direct relationship with in this land. And I ended it with saying like, thank you to all my relations. And then I placed that final twig into the fire, and burned down to coals. And then I climbed in my hammock. And the moment I lied in my hammock, suddenly I saw a silhouette coming down the trail. And at first they were like dead on with me. And so I just saw like, you know, the head, like this head and a body behind the head moving towards me. Mm -hmm. And the size of them, they were so small. And my mind, was, me instinct was a house cat. Mm -hmm. I was like, what in the world is a house cat doing here on Mount Tam. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any here. That doesn't make any sense. But then they turned and I saw the full length of the silhouette of their body from their head and their ears, this little body to this huge bushy tail. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that tail, I immediately knew, I was like, that's a gray fox. Mm -hmm. And I just, <sighs> I dreamed of seeing gray foxes uh -huh. for over a year. The first nature name I ever received was Gray Fox. And, and this Gray Fox like turns their head and looks at me. And at this point, they're about 15 feet away. And they look at me and they smell out in the air. And I know that they're sniffing me. And I'm just laying in my hammock, just staring at them. Mm -hmm. And then they turn and they go off the trail and begin to go up and crest of this hill. Mm -hmm. Then right when they get to the top, they stopped. And I'm just thinking like, what? what's going to happen? Like, what's, why is this gray fox, the gray fox pausing? What are they doing? What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And all of these questions are running through me when suddenly the gray fox turns around and comes down from that hill and walks in circles around the fire pit mm -hmm. and walks straight up to me until they're just maybe a foot away from my face. And they just sniff the air and just stare at me. And we're locked in this gaze. Wow. And I'm frozen. I can't <laughs> even move. And then the gray fox turns away and goes right back up that hill and then disappears into the night. And I just laid there for several minutes 
And then all of a sudden, I just jumped out of my hammock and I just jumped into the air and was being silent because it was the night. So I didn't, I wanted to shout, but yeah. I couldn't. So I was <laughs> shouting with my body, uh-huh. and just like throwing my limbs around and jumping all around, but trying my best to not make any noise. And this is when I came into that practice of the spiral of gratitude. Because mm. this gray fox is just, as you spoke, and when I interviewed you, like the land, when you speak gratitude, the land responds, right. becomes alive. Right. And here was like a prime example. If I spoke gratitude for all of my relations in this space, and then this gray fox, who was a relation in this space, who was one of those all of my relations mm-hmm. that I had yet to come into kinship with, mm-hmm. and they revealed themselves and then came up to me and acknowledged me mm-hmm. in such a profound and intimate way. And that's when I really like stepped into that practice of this spiral of gratitude and just speaking gratitude for all of my relations. Because as you said before, like all beings have this deep want and need to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And stepping fully into that appreciation for these beings, the response I received just inspired this practice in my life wonderful that's i really love that story and it's you you come so much alive when you tell it every time i can see you reliving that experience and i can (laughs) see the gray fox and i can almost feel their fur and yeah see their eyes twinkle in the dark it's Mm. a very special story i love that and um yeah and i Honestly, I just want to hear you tell more stories. <laughs> As per usual, right? As per usual. All right, so I have a question for you. You've mentioned this guy, David Abrams, pretty much in every episode. And you and I both have a relationship with him. But I would love for you to tell the listeners who this person is and what what you feel about him and his work. Mm. Yeah, well... David Abram is a cultural ecologist and deep ecologist and actually helped lay the groundwork for the field of eco-psychology. And David Abram came into my life through a Facebook quote that you had posted. And I read this passage by this man and was utterly captivated by what I read and was like, who is this? Does this person written in any books and if he has I need them and it was actually that same summer that I was living on Mount Tam and I bought his first book Spell of the Sensuous and I read that book on that mountain and you know I've I've mentioned him multiple times simply because like Spell of the Sensuous shifted my cosmology it shifted me to the core of who I am Mm -hmm. and but not in the sense that it brought me anything new. And that's, that's the kicker, even though there's so much like intellectual, philosophical knowledge that exists within his works that I did not, I could not pose to someone if they had asked me. But everything that he spoke to me in his books and through his words gifted me language for my experience of the world things that I knew to be true, but I did not have the language for. And by gifting me the language and then coming into a space of using that language for myself and my own relationships, 
that then gave me a platform to deepen those relationships, to take them to the next level. Once I had that language, I could go even further. And even though like I've never met him in the flesh, um, he's, his words and his work have shifted me in such a deep and profound way that I am and will be forever grateful for. And there's actually a very uh, short passage that are the first words of his book, Becoming Animal, um, the sequel to Spell of the Sensuous, mm-hmm. that I feel just, uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> so I'm going to share Let's those now. Owning up to being an animal, a creature of earth, tuning our animal senses to the sensible terrain, blending our skin with the rain-rippled surface of rivers, mingling our ears with the thunder and the thrumming of frogs, and our eyes with the molten sky, feeling the polyrhythmic pulse of this place, this huge windswept body of water and stone, this vexed being in whose flesh we're entangled, becoming earth, becoming animal, becoming in this manner, fully human. That's so good. That that is really so descriptive of animism and the goal of why we're sharing animism is to remember, remember our greater humanity, our greater wild humanness. Yeah. Which is really about relationships with the other than human. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's about as as you like to say, self as ecology yeah right and actually i i came into his work after diving into naturalist studies which is all about sensory experience coming into relationship with the world through your senses and there was a a spiritual component for me within that that i carried just within myself Mm -hmm. through my naturalist studies and i spell the centuries becoming animal and david abram's work is intimately we use those two together. Yes. The sensory experience and the spiritual experience is being two attributes of the same experience. And in that weaving, he wove together like, or he helped me and encouraged me to weave together these different threads of my own life into a singular rope mm-hmm. that is, for me, animism. Wonderful. Yeah, and I think on on that high note it's a good place for us to wrap this episode and I really appreciate your sharing and especially some of your very intimate personal very alive and inspiring stories Mm -hmm. and uh, so first acknowledge gratitude to you and coming up here once again for us to come together and continue this project this has been for me has been deeply meaningful and I'm also just grateful to have you as a friend and a, uh, a wild being in my life as well. Mm. And I also want to extend gratitude to all of the supporting beings that have made this possible. You know, the, the friends that have offered us to use their recording equipment. So like people like Chris Cleaner and Steve Fortin, who's been mastering our recording tracks for us so that we sound pretty decent when we put the podcasts out because we're still very much <laughs> learning to do this right and and also um gratitude for all the listeners out there 
and gratitude for patience from all the listeners as we continue to learn to articulate ourselves about something that is very challenging to speak about in English and from being from the cultural frame we come from you know we're we're still learning to speak to these things in a way that um, is relatable and makes sense and even though we live this way and this is a very embodied way it can be hard to put it to words so thank you all for listening and and being patient and with that i invite you to actually converse with us and participate so we are going to add our um, designated email for this project to the anchor website for this mm-hmm. podcast and you can use that address and you can message us you can communicate with us about just feedback about the podcast or ideas you have about future episodes or sharing your own personal stories which we would love to hear and just connecting uh in any way that feels good to you we would really appreciate that uh we intend to keep making these episodes and we really hope that if you hear them and you like them that you also share them and that's how we we can get get the word out about animism and about what we're doing and i also want to acknowledge all of the wild beings that have been part of this process you and i have had some beautiful beautiful encounters over the last it's been 18 hours or so together we went on a night walk and we're very entranced by coursing frogs and then today in the forest we had an extended period of sitting and being part of the forest the wildwood and being accepted by birds and hanging out with what who we suspect was a bobcat that was just out of sight and all of the supporting beings the trees the mosses the the sun shining through the trees all of these beings and i want to also make space for you to acknowledge any any one who you feel is really important to acknowledge as we mm. wrap this mm. yeah i want to speaking to david abram just makes me think about just my mentors mm. both in the forms of books in the forms of humans in the forms of animals and plants and fungi I just want to thank all my mentors who've taught me and have encouraged me and supported me in this role of speaking to animism and definitely have some really very deep gratitude for you Phil mm-hmm. for this relationship and this kinship that we share and deep gratitude for this mic <laughs> yes <laughs> for recording us yes. and for this project and for you the listeners and for this community yeah so once again thank you Thank you all and uh keep an ear out for more episodes coming soon. We continue on this thread of inspiration and we we hope you like what you hear. So just tune in next time. Episode 6 will be out soon, hopefully. Thank you again.